This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Hello, this is Gordon Smith, and you are listening to the Sons of Melchizedek show. This is a show about priestly vocations, and today I want to welcome Father Jeff Dufresne. Welcome, Father. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Well, you have been a priest for five years, I understand, and you are in the Indy Archdiocese, Archdiocese of Indianapolis, I should say. That's correct. Where are you uh, assigned right now? I'm currently the pastor at St. Mary uh, downtown and St. Philip Neri on the Near East side. Okay, and both of those parishes are historically, they're both beautiful. They're, they've been, um, I, I remember St. Mary's was a, a model of a cathedral in Cologne, Germany, I believe. Is that yes, right? Yes, it, it's a scale model of the, the cathedral in Cologne, Germany based on that architecture. Beautiful place. And uh, how long have you been assigned there? This is actually my first year being pastor at St. Mary's. I just started there in July, uh, and I've been at St. Philip Neri for the last four years. Um, well, and it, you mentioned to me in the pre-interview uh, that you had a large Hispanic population there. Are you Spanish-speaking yourself? I am, most days. See, <laughs> si, I guess uh, see. Si. <laughs> um, I might ask you to pray something for us in Spanish, so you better watch out. Okay. Um, Tell, tell us a little bit about your background. This is a priestly vocation program, and you told me coming into the interview that you had had nothing but Catholic education your whole life. So tell us about your background, your family. Absolutely, yeah. So beginning in first grade, I attended Catholic schools all the way through the end of my time in seminary. Uh, and I remember very vividly growing up how, how my parents expressed the importance of Catholic education to them, that they they told us repeatedly that being in a Catholic school was a high value for them, uh, and they were willing to sacrifice for that. Uh, and so, it but it wasn't just being in Catholic school that I think influenced me. It was also the fact that there was Catholic education in the home. My parents, um, we prayed every day, even if it was just, you know, if we were particularly restless. We might pray just in Our Father, Hail Mary, and a Glory Be or something, but we always prayed as a family. Um, we were always at Mass on Sunday, um, which now I tell families in Catholic school, you know, yes, Monday through Friday is, uh, if you're there Monday through Friday, that's good. That's what we want. But Sunday is a part of perfect attendance, right? Yeah, um, you get an A for that. Yeah. And you're not from Indiana originally. You were from Ohio. Correct. correct. Yeah, I grew up uh, around Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and uh, most of my family's from the west side of Cincinnati, too. So not native to Indianapolis, but happy to be here now. We're happy to have you. So happy. This is a, a blessing that we have you as a priest. We thank you for your vocation and making that choice. 
So what, what was, uh, you said grade school, Catholic grade school, and then um, everything in the Dayton and Cincinnati area seems to be named after Chaminade. So tell us a little bit about the Marianists. Sure. Yeah. So I attended Chaminade Julian High School in Dayton, Ohio. It's a downtown high school. And um, there, the Marianists uh, are one of the sp- religious sponsors of the school. The Sisters of Notre Dame, Dana Muir, are the other sponsor. But um, there were Marianist brothers present in our school. I had one for uh, religion class, I think two years in a row, Brother Sean, who's now Father Sean, um, was uh, an influence on me, a mentor of mine. And that Marianist uh, spirit that I think drew me closer to the Blessed Mother um, opened my mind a little bit more to the idea of a priestly or religious vocation. So how did you find your way from uh, Dayton area and Cincinnati Dayton area over to Indiana? What happened next? You decided to become a priest instantly, or or where did you go to undergrad? No, I spent uh, many years kind of running away from the priesthood, actually, and that idea. I had my own plan for life, and I wanted to follow that, and that plan took me to Indianapolis, uh, and I studied at Marion University for my undergrad. I was studying, people always laugh at this, I was studying theology and philosophy, uh, but I had no interest in being a priest at that time. That doesn't seem to make any sense at all. It somehow made sense to me, but no one no one else seems to be able to make sense out of it. So from Marianist to Marian University, Correct. you were not in the Simon Brute program, uh, but you were a San Damione scholar, Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I was I was hoping to one day serve the church as a campus minister or a Catholic high school teacher, um, and so that was part of the formation we got in the Sandam program, Sandamiano Scholars Program. Yep. Short. That's short for it. I got it. Um, what is um, your interest then in high school and, and youth ministry? Did you were you part of Focus or one of those programs? No. So. My faith life really deepened for me in those four years of high school. Uh, I became very curious as I took more advanced theology classes. Um, I became more and more curious about about God, and I wanted to study God and know more about Him and about the Scriptures. And uh, I remember as a high school student, this should have been a, uh, a tip-off to me that I might end up one day being a priest, but I remember reading the Bible late at night. Um, like after my whole family would go to bed, I'd like start leafing through the Bible and had several uh, foundational experiences of, of Christ, especially in Eucharistic adoration in high school at uh, Franciscan University conferences, youth conferences for, right. for high school students. And so my desire to serve high school students, I think, flowed out of those experiences that brought me closer to the Lord. And I wanted to give other people you know, that experience and help them to deepen their relationship with Christ. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for caring for our high school students. Uh, if that's a, a thing that you really like doing, we need to really encourage uh, youthful male and female vocations. So um, we're happy what your parents did for you growing up. And uh, and let's get back to that parents thing for a minute. How, how did you, you said you prayed in the house a lot and, um, but were they very encouraging, or uh, by the time you decided you wanted to become a priest, uh, how did they react? Well, uh, my parents' reaction, when I sat them down, I remember very vividly, we were in a uh, booth at McDonald's having coffee, and this is how I broke the news to them. I said, um, well, 
I've decided that I'm going to apply to seminary. And they both laughed and said, I told you so. Supersize it, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they, and then the other part of the news was, I'm going to apply for seminary for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Oh, that um, had to be big news. But you're already at Marion at that time. So, um, so let's talk about that a bit. You were at Marion in philosophy, not in this, this Brute program, but you decided at some point something turned the corner for you. What was that time and date? Do you remember that? Really what turned the corner for me was after the, my time at Marion when I was a campus minister, my, uh, my direct supervisor, my boss at that time, was a diocesan priest. Uh, and I remember seeing his ministry every day. At this time, I started um, going to daily mass more regularly since it was at the school where I worked. It was very convenient. Uh, and as I saw Father Beadle say mass every day, as I saw him hear confessions during lunch times, and there were lines down the hallway of high school students going to confessions, I was really impacted by that. I realized I want his job. I don't want to be doing my job. I want to be able to give people the sacraments. And that, that was really the desire that sparked the desire for the priesthood for me. When I, when I saw uh, my boss, this, this priest offering high school students the sacraments, I realized that was the connection with Christ I wanted to give people. In persona Christi. Absolutely. So thank you for that vocation uh, decision that you made. Uh, and it, it, did it take, um, was it just a thought in your own mind that turned that corner, or did somebody say, hey, you ought to be a priest, Father? And I, it would have been, been Jeff back then. It wouldn't have been Father. Yeah, of course. absolutely. The, so really it was years of people saying that. So uh -huh. from the time I started serving at the altar when I was 10 years old, um, people in the parish started saying to me, have you thought about becoming a priest or you, you would make a good priest? And I even remember friends in college saying, you know, um, not particularly religious people saying, are you thinking about being a priest? And, um, really I, I was very resistant to that. Cause when you you're, said, you said you were fighting it. Yeah. When you're running away from it, when you're 10 or 12 or 14 years old, you don't like people telling you what to do. Right. Sure. Um, sure. I still don't necessarily like people telling me what to do, but I, uh, I really was resistant to that idea. And, uh, but all of those voices, as I started to have a desire for the priesthood started to come back and I started to see those moments as moments of an invitation from the Lord instead of moments of people trying to force their idea on me, right? And as I started to see God preparing me for this decision, um, it opened me up to it very quickly. God was speaking to you through these other people. Absolutely. Sometimes all it takes is one single person uh, talking to you. I did an interview like this with Father Jose, a newly ordained priest in Arch Indy, and it was just one person in the youth program that mentioned to him that he might consider becoming a priest, and here he is. He's a priest now. So... We thank you both for your vocation calls that you answered. Now, do you have any hobbies? I do. Um, I, music has always been an important part of my life. I remember singing when I was very young, um, along with the radio or at church, wherever. And so I love to, I love to play guitar. I love to sing. Um, I love music in general. Um, and then anything I can do to be active outside. You know, I, I enjoy playing golf on my days off when the weather's nice. Um, if I can get out to fish uh, for a while, anytime I can do that, I enjoy doing that. So, no, wait a second. You are already a fisher of men. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, so. <laughs> hopefully I'm a better fisher of men than I am a fisher of fish. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Do you have a favorite saint? I do. Uh, that's that's a challenging question for me. I, I would say right now, uh, Padre Pio seems to be one of my closer saint friends, um, which is a little intimidating as a priest, you know. Um, he's a pretty powerful witness of priestly conformity to Christ, but uh, he's been very present just in prayer and intercession lately. He was picked on and, and, and turned down many times by his superiors, and yet he pursued on. So there's a lesson in that, I'm sure. Absolutely. The, the trust in and abandonment to Christ that that would have required uh, is certainly something I would aspire to, to have that surrender. They say that he could um, discern someone's confession before they even confessed. He already knew what they were going to say. So that is a close, close connection to God right there. Absolutely. So from a fisher of fish and a fisher of men to golf and guitar, uh, tell me what you what your favorite Bible verse is. Hmm. I... I really love uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, um, so during Jesus' farewell discourse, I often use this Gospel for, uh, uh, for funerals, uh, and it's the verse where Jesus says, so that where I am, you also may be, right? I'm going to prepare a place for you, uh, and when I do, I will come back and I will bring you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. And I think that to me just expresses the deepest desire of Jesus's sacred heart. We'll be right back. Thank you, Father. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening to the radio and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating and um, at the same time I was learning about the faith particularly the apologetics Catholic radio building faith building vocations welcome back we are interviewing today in the Sons of Melchizedek program Father Jeff Dufresne and he was just telling us about his favorite Bible verse and passages John 14 I think what we were talking about just a minute ago. Yeah. Tell, tell me why that's your favorite again. Well, yeah, so in John fourteen three, when we hear Christ speaking to his apostles and, and giving this farewell discourse, um, I really hear the Lord speaking to us about his deep desire for intimacy with us. Um, so what is he saying he will do? He, he will take us to be with him so that where he is, we also may be. So Christ has this deep desire to be together with us, to be in union with us. Uh, and so that verse to me, it sheds light. Of course, I said I use it for funerals. Um, that sheds light on the hope that we have, that we will be united with Christ and reunited with the ones that we love. Um, but it's also true about every moment of our lives, You know, any, any time of prayer, uh, of seeking union with Christ. He's already trying to bring us into that union, right? So we can let him do the heavy lifting there. Um, or even just thinking about receiving Holy Communion, that this is an intimate gift that Christ is giving us himself. Um, and his, his heart, which we always depict with a, a flame, right? His heart is on fire with this desire. 
so that we, that we will be in union with him. That's what he wants most. Um, and that really helps reorient me so that that's what I want most too. So the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. Um, and you just mentioned that a moment ago. This coming summer, you're at a downtown couple of parishes, and we have a big event happening in downtown Indianapolis in 2024. What, what is that, and how are you going to be involved in that? Do you know yet? I'm not sure yet. Um, so the National Eucharistic Revival is coming up. I am excited that this is going to be in Indianapolis. Super um, cool. It, and even to be pastor at St. Mary's when this is happening, you know, right around the corner from St. John's and the convention center, um, I can only imagine what it's going to be like to have downtown Indianapolis filled with people there um, for the Eucharist, right? Seeking a deeper union with Christ. Um, so, yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, probably you are the closest parish except for St. John's to the convention center, I would imagine, at St. Mary's anyway. So. Yeah, I would think so. Um, St. Mary's, the Cathedral, Holy Rosary are all right around there, close to downtown. Well, hopefully the powers that be will have you involved with it in a way that you can pass on your, your um, in-persona Christi gifts and, um, and the miracle that you perform every single day or assist in performing on the altar. We thank you for that. Absolutely. It's an honor. It's good to be a priest. It's great, and we are so thankful that you are a priest. Thank you, Father. Uh, let's talk about um, when you were in college, you, you said you were a philosophy major, not interested in the priesthood yet, and many people have this um, odd idea about priests that, ooh, that's a guy that doesn't like girls, never dates anyone. Um, did you ever date uh, when you were in college, high school? I did. Yeah, I did in later high school and in college. Okay, so you're a normal um, male person. Well, I, I don't know what claim I can make to normal, but yes. In yes, that sense. I, I, I'm going to claim you normal. <laughs> you look very um, normal, uh, other than the fact that you're wearing your, your vestments today in the studio, which must be hot. But um, other than that, you did date women and um, had a normal relationship. Did you have steady dates, or did you have a, any? I talked to a few priests that you know had to cut something off when they decided they were going to become a priest. So was that your situation at all? Yeah. So I I had a couple of uh, long term dating relationships, um, and I really always thought and desired to be married. That was my desire was for to be a husband and a father, and really to imitate my own father. Um, and his example. So uh, I did, and w my last committed dating relationship ended because I realized I have I have to go to seminary and test this call, um, and that that was heartbreaking. Um, but the Lord the Lord gave the grace and uh, provided a lot of healing graces over time there too. Well, now you are a father and you have many children. So it's a different type of fatherhood, but uh, we appreciate that so much, Father. Um, people, some people, have uh, heard statistics that um, the understanding and belief in the true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist um, is not as strong as it could be. Uh, what do you say to people like that might question the real presence? 
Well, I do think it takes an act of faith. Um, and, and faith is so often something that we associate faith and love sometimes with our feelings. You know, sometimes when we're not experiencing consolation in prayer, we start to doubt, you know, is God, is this really doing anything? Is God really present? Um, but really faith and love, of course, as the saints tell us, are in the will. It's a choice. Um, so there's, there first has to be an openness to that reality, right? If we're not, if we're not seeking the Lord, if we're, if we're not studying about what, what does our tradition and what do the saints say about this, it's hard to make that act of faith to say, this thing that, that looks, this host that looks like bread and tastes like bread, this chalice that is filled with what looks like wine and tastes like wine, this is actually body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, right? That's an act of faith. Um, and what I would encourage people to do who are wrestling with their Eucharistic faith um, is simply to spend time in Eucharistic adoration. Um, Let Jesus talk to you. Yeah, talk to Jesus about it. At, say to the Lord, like uh, like many people do in Scripture, increase our faith, right? Oh, oh Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. Right, absolutely. What was it like for you? Uh, this is something I'll never get, you know, well, I guess I could become a priest in late life like I am now, but um, it would require my wife passing away first. But what was it like for you the very first time you held up the Eucharist, uh, which wasn't Eucharist yet, for the very first consecration you did? What, what, what went through your mind? My mind was remarkably clear. Like, I, rem- I remember... I remember thinking about or wondering what would what would happen, what would I think, what would I feel, um, and what I remember of that mass um, is really just an intense focus on what I was doing, an intense focus on our Lord in the host uh, and in the chalice at the moment of the consecration, and it that that was such a gift. I realize now because there are often you often have to battle when you're praying with distractions, right? And, sure, we all do. And so even when you're praying Mass as a priest, sometimes there are distractions. And so that moment of cl- crystal clear focus on our Lord during my first Mass um, was a real gift and a grace. Um, and I, I'm grateful whenever I receive that grace of 100%, this is where I am. There's nothing in the back of my mind that's trying to take my attention away. So you're holding in your hands the source and summit of uh, of our whole entire existence on this planet. We're creatures created by the Creator. And uh, just having that, that uh, in your hands must be just overwhelming. It would overwhelm me. It is overwhelming. I think uh, St. John Vianney says that if we knew the reality of what the priesthood was, we would die, not out of fear, but out of love. Right? Sure. And so that... I. What I've experienced in the priesthood is a, a deepening understanding, a deepening of that love, a deepening of the appreciation for what is happening. Um, and that um, the meditation I often uh, make to deepen that moment of Eucharistic intimacy and in saying the Mass is, is remembering that my voice is saying the words of Christ, right? And it's a moment of conformity to Christ. And so my hands become Christ's hands at that moment. Um, they've, they've been anointed to be Christ's hands for people. And so um, that moment of in persona Christi consecrating 
um, the Eucharist is a moment that I hope will continue to deepen and I'll have a deeper appreciation over time of uh, what a gift that is to hold Christ in my hands. Such a gift. Thank you so much for your vocation call and the answer of that call. Now, we haven't talked about St. Meinrad at all. After you, uh, University of Marion, Marion University, that is, um, you went on to test your call at St. Meinrad, and um, that was a change from very urban downtown Indianapolis to very urban downtown St. Meinrad, right? St. Meinrad, yes. Population in the hundreds rather than in the thousands. Like They have a Dollar to. General now. They do. Yeah, it's, it's coming up in the world, I'm sure. So what was that like? What a beautiful campus that is. I was really taken in with the beauty of St. Meinrad. There's, of course, the natural beauty of southern Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a gift to be down near the Hoosier National Forest and all of that. Um, oh, yeah, you like the outdoors. I do, yes. And so St. Meinrad, though, had a deep beauty for me um, in the silence and the prayer. That place is soaked in silence and prayer. You know, and this is what I found. I, I've been very drawn to monasteries ever since I uh, started my education at St. Meinrad because there, there's a silence you can encounter there which seems to be deeper than silence in other places. And for me, I was drawn to the beauty at St. Meinrad also of their, their tradition of chant. So that was the first place I really encountered Gregorian chant. Oh, and your um, musical background, of course. You correct. loved that. I did. Big echoes in the chapel there. I loved it very much. I loved praying in that chapel. I loved the crucifix. Um, So I've, a lot of Eastern Catholic spirituality has influenced me over, through friends over the years. Uh, And the crucifix at St. Meinrad in the seminary chapel has a skull at the base of Christ's feet, uh, which is a really early Eastern tradition to connect the death of Christ with the death of Adam. Uh, and so things like that about St. Minor, that kind of ancient feeling, the, the years of silence and prayer there really drew me in. Centuries. Um, you know, you go step into St. Minor, you feel like you've stepped into the third century sometimes. And I do love that the little chapel up on the hills, Monte Casino. Absolutely. That, what a wonderful place that is for a little quiet time with Jesus. So today we've been interviewing Father Jeff Dufresne, and he is a a priest for about five or six years now in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's currently stationed at St. Mary's in downtown Indianapolis and also St. Philip Neri. Um, We want to thank you today for all your time and and effort to come down here, and especially thank you for your, your vocational answer, which was to become a priest. Would you please bless our audience now and, and give us a little prayer in the remaining 30 seconds or so? Absolutely. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, St. Philip Neri, St. Padre Pio, and all the angels and saints, uh, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. My pleasure. Good to be with you. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. 